MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives women history has forgotten. We've always been intrigued by stories of disappearances. Whether it's a fraudster from the 17th century who kept evading the authorities, or a novelist who taunted the Nazis and faked her own death, we all want to know, what happened next? To find out, listen to Womanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Popcorn Book Club. It's still being November, just a little bit. We are still talking V for Vendetta, the graphic novel. We have made it to book three, the final part of the graphic novel by Alan Moore and illustrated by David Lloyd. Uh, The most dramatic and I will say at some moments insane. Uh, And also, I I also think where it departs the most from the movie, uh, which we'll describe next week. Uh, So... Book three, which is called The Land of Do As You Please, uh, begins with the symphony of the blowing up Jordan Tower, which uh, I think that we'll get into the the timeline of the movie, which I think is a little cleaner. But yeah, I really liked it. I really like the timeline of the movie. But in this, we also have this on November. He blows up Jordan Tower on November 5th. And then November 6th, sort of the land of do as you please anarchy stuff sort of begins. Mm -hmm. So, well, it wasn't anarchy. It was chaos. Chaos, which he hopes will become anarchy. Mm -hmm. Anarchy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I thought it was really important that they made that distinction because I think a lot of people don't fully understand what anarchy is as a philosophy, as opposed to just like colloquial usage of the word anarchy. Anarchy. We're like, no one's in charge. It's anarchy. And that's not the same thing. Yes. I don't know. Just, do you have a good understanding of what anarchy is? Because I'm not actually sure I know what it looks like in practice. I don't think I know what it looks like in practice. And I think I did not have a very good understanding of it prior to reading this book, because my idea of anarchy came from like a meme that I saw on MySpace in like 2005. It was like, anarchy's (laughs) bad because it's people running around. And you know what happens when everybody's running around? Scraped knees. And I was like, oh, that sounds terrible. (laughs) I just think about the purge. Like, it's like, oh, it's one day of anarchy, no rules. And it's just a bunch of murder, murder daddies everywhere <laughs> murder daddies murder mommies murder cousins fourth I, murder uncles <laughs> i will say 
say by the by the end of this book, um, things do not appear to be getting better. Um, unless mm-hmm. we all no. felt the catharsis that I guess Alan Bohr wanted us to feel by watching a wealthy woman get raped by a group of homeless men. A very weird ending to a book. But okay, I guess that is what Alan Moore wanted to end on. I think Alan Moore is very bad on women. And I want to talk about yes. that uh-huh. a little later yeah. as a full thing. But I also yes. want to say one thing that I think is um is starkly different from both the film and sort of how the the character of V has been portrayed. He's not like a great guy. He's not like the hero. <laughs> no. He's like is, he has no charm about him whatsoever. Like for me in the book, he's like stop with the monologues, dude. And like, he's, thank you. Oh, not boy, just yeah. monologuing, but deeply weird. Yes. And like <laughs> not in a good way. <laughs> There's a lot of guy in your MFA energy yeah. coming from V. Yes. Yes. There's Big this time. point at which Evie was like, can you just say <laughs> what you mean? And I was like, thank you. Thank you for actually saying that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like, I think this is a really good point where I've been seeing a lot of stuff like on TikTok because I'm super cool and young and on TikTok about how um, media literacy means that you don't necessarily just because somebody is the main character have to identify with them. And just because somebody's the main character does not mean that they are correct. Yeah. And I think that V is a flawed person. I think we can all agree that V is a deeply flawed person. Mm -hmm. And he's not always correct. And this monologuing at Evie and not answering any questions directly is just frankly infuriating. He also gaslit her in the most horrifying way I can imagine anybody being gaslit. I mean, he mm-hmm. plays games with her in ways yeah. that I think the movie tries to make justifiable. And, like, in the grand yeah. scheme of things, I would argue that, like, symbolically they succeed. In the book, he comes off as much less charming, much more insane, with a far mm-hmm. less, like, consistent ideology. And I think that Evie becomes, spoiler alert, becoming V at the end makes mm-hmm. more sense if V is, like, a deeply imperfect symbol and unlikable character. Right, and it also has to do with the idea that anarchy has two sides, destruction and creation. And he was destruction, and she was creation. And next week when we talk about the movie, I have more things that I want to say about that. So the thing that I wanted to focus on first about book three is a character that's not in the movie, Rosemary, who goes through a journey. A brief recap, Rosemary is in an abusive marriage with uh, the head of the ear, uh, who listens into all the phone tapping. Uh, he dies, and then she starts sleeping with Roger Dascombe, who's the head of the visual, Jordan Tower, the mouth, thank you. Uh, yeah. He also dies. People think she's deeply cursed because the last two dudes she slept with died. Uh, she is miserable at the sad cabaret. Uh, she is forced to work as a... Um, a uh, burlesque a dancer. Show girl. A yeah, showgirl. Yeah. A dancer, uh, non-consensually, in the sense that she does not want to do it, and she's doing it only for money that she desperately needs. Uh, mm-hmm. And then she's driven to murdering, uh, to going full taxi driver and murdering yeah. Adam Susan in the street. In hey, spoiler. What, this this is on book three. And in a way that I then... I was talking about taxi driver. Oh, that was the joke. Sorry. <laughs> in a way that V then seems to argue that he orchestrated the whole thing because she is the last rose he cultivated. What did you guys make of this subplot? I mean, 
she's what a sad, sad character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To like yeah. have that be her kind of whole arc of like, you know, being subjugated to the, like the intense, violent patriarchy of this particular society, having her husband killed, but being sad about that loss too, to like sit with that loss of this person who was like deeply abusive to her as well. And then to like go and just straight, I mean, just straight up point blank shoot that man. And the worst, the worst part for me is she doesn't even have any like, um, agency in this yeah. because then they frame mm-hmm. it as the fact that she was all just part of V's scheme that he puppet mastered this miserable woman. And yeah. it also felt yeah. like not just uh, no agency, but like her character just really doesn't have any, it doesn't have any like full three dimensional mm-hmm. like depth or I don't know who she is outside of the horrible men that she mm-hmm. has been with or like the horrible man she kills at the end. Like it, like Evie, at least you understand who she is and, and she like, you, you kind of have this 360 view of her, but Rosemary just feels like this sad abused lady who then is a, I guess a pawn in V's uh, whole chess game, but I don't quite understand how he did that. Yeah, I don't um, get that either. No, it, it yeah, me neither. Not, it, it didn't make any sense. Like there yeah. were a lot, there were plot holes you could drive a Mac Mac truck es- through. Especially considering, like, I get that the an- or that the chaos is a part of V's plan. Like that makes sense. But then you can't say, mm-hmm. yes, I plan for chaos. But then within this chaos, I plan for this woman to specifically go up. <laughs> to the yeah. leader of the country and shoot him point blank, you know? Yeah, you and it's going to work perfectly. It's they're going to let her through. Yeah, they're going to let her through. We're planning that Creedy. We know that Creedy sort of wants to sabotage Adam, and so he'll sabotage him by putting him out in public when maybe a lady could assassinate him. Like, all of these pieces are <laughs> do not fit together. Either the plan is chaos or the plan is a plan. Like, you can't have it both ways. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's very Joker, where Joker's things were all very thought through in Dark Knight. Dark Knight. Oh, yeah. He had to, mm-hmm. he had to plant a lot of bombs in advance of his, his chaotic plan. A lot plan. of work. Yeah. Yeah, it was almost, it's too neat like the level mm-hmm. of chaos that he's trying to invoke. And then for that to be like, as she was walking through the crowd, I was like, ah, even that's a little too far fetched just to let one lady walk <laughs> through the crowd in this yeah. public moment. I'm like, this is a little well, too far. Well, they're all scared of her, like her, like murder powers. Like, <laughs> get her out of the way. Keep her away from the men. They'll die if they get too close. You know, I'm thinking of myself, if I was in that society and I would fully be like, stay away from her. Like I would be one of the people pushing that lore about her as well. <laughs> she's a black widow. She's, she's cursed. Don't go with, don't <laughs> sleep with her. And then there's the other wife of a top party member who is deeply fascinating. And Jennifer, I know, I'm kind studio. of obsessed with Helen Hare. Helen Hare. She's not a good person, but no, I am bad. extremely interested. Like, she's bad, but also she's kind of bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's bad in a fun way. And we meet her really in, in book three. Jennifer, will you describe her for maybe people who haven't oh, read it? Uh, so Helen Hare is just 
enthusiastically sexually dominating every man who comes into her proximity. Um, I think the first time we see her, the first time we see her, she's yelling at her husband, like always. Uh, the next time we see her, her husband is like kneeling before her um, and toweling her off as she emerges from the bath. And then he tries to go down on her and she like kicks him away. He's so, a um, it's it's very interesting that in this society, every man and she goes on to have an affair with uh, what's his name, Ali, uh, Ali yeah. Creedy, the, yeah. the yeah. Scottish Allie gang, Creedy. gang yeah. guy, the Scottish guy. Yeah, Scottish wait, is Creedy guy. the same as Ali? No, Creedy no. is the head of the finger, who's the evil policeman. And Allie, oh, okay. Allie and Creedy um, have an alliance. Creedy sort of okay. wants. I thought to- you said Allie Creedy, and I was like, I'm so confused now. <laughs> no. Uh, both Creedy and Hare want and need to use uh, Allie's gang powers mm-hmm. if, then right. to get the chaos mm-hmm. power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Helen Hare wants to be Evita. Um, <laughs> and you know what? It, it almost works out for her. Uh, she's having an affair with Allie so she can use his brute force to help elevate her husband to the position of high chancellor. And uh, they end up killing each other in um, a lover's quarrel over Helen. Uh, So it doesn't happen. And she is pretty mad at her husband for fucking things up that way. Uh, I love the negotiation of price that she has with Allie for his services, where she's like, well, how much are you getting paid by Creedy right now? And he was like, oh, like 500 a week when it's 400 a week. And then she's like, wow, I really would have thought he wouldn't pay you more than 400. 400. Yeah. <laughs> like, where where are you coming at this where price did come for from? mercenaries? What was Helen Hare's background yeah. before That's this? what I want to know, Lady, too. Lady Macbeth in her regional theater production. <laughs> Definitely. I got very Lady M vibes from her. Because, like, how did she get her power in this society of just I, being... She's the only one. She's That's the only one. She's really interesting as a woman in this society she's obviously a terrible person but it just feels so unlikely that any woman would have this capacity to dominate people have you especially the ear yeah and and then of course he becomes the uh v uses like the voyeuristic thing of the the cameras to uh to cause the chaos to outsmart her to outsmart yeah, her yeah. in his perfect like puppet master way which seems like a sort of like a line from like a, a bob dylan or like a folk song like oh and the voyeurs on the cctv just like that <laughs> the classic idea that like oh be like he uses their their tools of mass surveillance against them and Can oh we're all perverts sing it like bob dylan no <laughs> Um, what I was going to say was her level of power as a woman in this society where women are just like massively disempowered kind of reminds me of Serena Joy in uh, The Handmaid's Tale. Mm. But like the the adaptation of, of The Handmaid's Tale, not the book The Handmaid's Tale, because I feel like Serena Joy has a lot more power in the screen adaptation versus the book. But here's the thing about Serena Joy. She at least has to have the effect of being like a dutiful wife. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. she feels honored to have this home and this husband mm-hmm. to follow. Helen Hare so clearly doesn't, doesn't give have fuck. that pretense no. at all. Nope. Like the first time we see her, she's being really shitty to her husband. And Rosemary's like, she's kind of a mean lady. And Rosemary's husband says, fuck you. <laughs> Helen Hare is awesome. And we all like her. 
I she's do so like sexy. Her, her level of like sexual manipulation isn't even understated. It is so no. just outrageously just in your face. It's just cranked. Yeah, it's cranked to eleven. <laughs> there's no there's no pussyfooting around uh, about it. It's just like I didn't even mean to say that. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. <laughs> Sometimes also these comic book women are drawn in a way where I'm like. David Lloyd, you had a day drawing those boobs, didn't you? Oh my God! Oh, her oh enormous God. boobs, her just you massive just, watermelon size just boobs, enormous yeah. boobs. Oh yeah, when she's like, "Look what you're missing." Oh, she had a day drawing the like cabaret ladies with their asses like yeah. out to the stages. Eighties yeah. comic book artists loved drawing boobs and butts. It's their favorite yeah. thing. Dana and I wrote for <laughs> She-Hulk, and so we spent a lot of time with those She-Hulk comics. And <laughs> my God, they are so horny for She-Hulk. Like, it just like the way her, their boobs would like, like grip to shirts in a way that was like, oh, they're gripped like under the boob and to the side of the boob. And it's just mm-hmm. like a blouse in a way that's like, that's not how... <laughs> That's not how gravity works. The clothes are like painted. They're painted. It's like painted on, on. but only for part of it. And then there's like a little bit of a blouse for, you know, demure, for a demure. Because if we. Demures don't do that. I was saying, if we if we didn't see the line of the boob, how would we know she has boobs at every point? You're absolutely right. (laughs) Adjacent to that, too, just to touch on like how this particular, you know, illustrator is. portraying women every time evie screams i'm like this is a grotesque portrayal of this woman's face that yes. like towards the end i was like this is a this is a different person yeah, that, yeah. i had that note too tian that like she is i think like 15 different women in this yes. book yeah. like in the beginning she's like a little scared lolita-esque drawing yes. and then mm-hmm. she becomes a like a like a like when she's with that nice guy, you know, lives with him. It she's mm-hmm. like a, a like a seventies sitcom lady. Yes, and then <laughs> she it turns and she goes and is tortured, and she looks like a hundred and five years old. Absolutely, <laughs> she and becomes a hag. And then in this chapter, like I had it open to this page. I don't know if you see. She she looks like like a oh, like eighty yeah. sort of like Jennifer Grey esque. But then yeah, like she looks kind of like an X Man. This yeah. screaming face. Oh my, that screaming. She looks yeah. like she looks like a gargoyle off the side of a building that also is like the gutter that sprays water. But then yes, this what's that? Face? Yeah, that's like. Um, <laughs> This is all like, very great for an audible, like Chloris, auditory she medium. She looks like Cloris Leachman there. <laughs> I'm going to be back real quick. I'm just going to write a manifesto. Be back in a gif. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine. Hosted by me, Danielle Robay. And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. 
And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hey, I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go, right? There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. On NPR's new podcast, Wild Card, we have ripped up the typical script. It's part existential deep dive and part game show. I ask actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to ask some of life's biggest questions. Listen to NPR's Wildcard on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. I did want to make one more point about Helen Hayer, maybe before we move on to women <laughs> yeah, in <sorry>. general. <laughs> no, this is essential. Have any of you read or seen the film uh, The Wife? Oh, yes. yes. No. Oh, I love it. So, yeah. so it's, a, it's a different dynamic. It's not like a sexually dominant dynamic, but the titular, I'm going to spoil The Wife, but it's not a spoiler. You know it, the whole thing, and it's just whatever. The titular wife in The Wife uh, is a wonderful writer, but it's like 1950 in America. And she knows that her books will like never get the attention or acclaim that they'll get under her name as they would under her husband's oh. name. So she like mm. makes the decision that like you're going to publish my books and we're going to have this partnership and we're both in on it. And this is our relationship. Um, and that a little bit feels like a muted version of the Helen Hayer thing of like, I can't be the face of the, who's in charge. So I am going mm-hmm. to use you, my husband, as the man puppet for me to get my agenda across. I feel like, though, I don't think her husband was as in on it. No, I no. I don't think it was. I feel like it was like a Rebecca type deal where she like got married to him and she was like, great, we're not going to have sex. I'm going to like withhold oh, wow. sex from you. And you're going to be in charge of the ear. And I'm going to make sure, or was he the ear or the mouth? He's Whatever the, he the was. the ear, I think. He was the, no, he was the eye because he had the cameras, right? Oh, yeah, he liked watching Oh, people. the propaganda, yeah. the, the visual thing. Yeah, yeah right. the voyeur without, the, without oh, yeah. seeing. Um, but <laughs> so she's like, you're going to be in charge of the eye because I say so. And that's how I'm going to get to the top. Like, it was hardcore Lady M energy. You don't think that it's a consensual BDSM relationship? I think yeah. he's pretty into it. Um, like she makes it clear at the very end that she's going to have sex with him because she's going to be in a good mood. I don't think it's a health kind of likes it. Yeah, I don't think it's healthy. I don't think it's a healthy. It's not a relationship I would want. I think he gets off on it. I think he likes it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I Um, don't know. I don't. I don't get that sense just because of that scene where she's with Allie and then she's like the cameras are off because they had that sort of blackout of surveillance and then she's got her like eighties (laughs) tip and she's and she's like pointing him at the camera which she thinks isn't recording anything and she's like ha ha look what you're missing and then later he flies into 
and like furious rage and that's why he ends up killing Ali oh you're right I, no 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 mm-hmm. i think he's furious because his wife is sleeping with another yeah man. that's what i that's what i gathered from yeah. that exchange i mean i think it's both i gathered that I as mean, well he, I didn't he think saw it was her when she was in the tub like he was toweling mm-hmm. her off he clearly sees her tits on a regular basis right but i don't think he gets to touch them on a regular no. basis and i, I think agree that's he where does not yeah <laughs> I mean, I was reading it. I was like, <laughs> "What a cuck!" <laughs> Indeed, he quite literally. Yeah, is. He, he really mm-hmm. is. Oh, poor man. Okay, um, so that's okay. What did you think of the ending <laughs> regarding Helen? Hang on, we gotta go back to Jennifer wait a saying, "Poor, poor man, man." He's part for, of the Norse. Uh, he's part he's of the Norse. Okay, part of like the fascist ruling class. I guess. Well, that's not good, obviously, but. Well, it's sad that he's in love with his wife and she is sleeping with another man. But they're all bad people. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, Thank he's I would not... like to say, I got a lot of shit for saying that the cabaret seemed like a place I would want to hang out. <laughs> I think we should give Jen just a little bit more shit for feeling but, bad. Honestly, yeah. both of you equal. Bad Jen... cabaret and fascist sympathize. Conrad, no! Conrad instant of his life seems sad. Okay, but Colin Hayer deeply sucks. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so the Conrad. ending with Helen Hare, I, I don't believe that rape is an appropriate punishment for everyone and um, for anyone. For, and it I was going to say really for everyone. <laughs> <And> also, <laughs> for anyone. Um, I really don't care yeah. for that ending. No, Didn't, I don't either. No. And it also yeah. was just such a weird tag. Like, what a choice to end on that. Like, it's hard to know. I, the, the choice in and of itself is like, oh, she's going to be raped. That's her punishment is rough. But it's like, yeah. and also that's going to be the ending of V for Vendetta. It's like we can all feel happy about Helen Hare getting raped. Uh, as opposed to like, I, w- I was like, wait, I turned the page being like, that's not, that can't yeah. be the end of it, though. Yeah. That's the was. tone he wants to end on, that the sexually manipulative woman is going to be in a forced, violent sexual submission. (laughs) I think in my mind, I had transposed the two parts of the ending. And after I read it, I immediately was like, oh, she had the bad thing happen. But then we had Evie bringing that guy into the shadow gallery and like, she's going to be the next V. That is the fucking end of the the In my brain, I made that the end. I was like, this makes sense. Well, that would be better. That's that's a way better ending because it's almost like a a little optimistic optimistic. and it has hope for the future. And then it's like, wait, one more page. We forgot to rape a lady. (laughs) Look, I also just don't believe that Helen Hare is going to be kept down for long. Like, that woman seems remarkably indomitable. It, uh, I understand mean, metaphorically, right? Not literally. Oh, yeah, oh. no, metaphorically. Okay. No, she, she's obviously going to be raped horrifically. And Alan Moore yes. seems psyched about that, and it's a note he wanted to end on. But, I, look... I'm not saying I want a sequel that's just Helen Hare once again taking over society in a ruthless way. But if it existed, I would read it and I'd be interested. You know what, Jennifer? There are more than enough stories about, like, awful men rising through the ranks of power and how and why they do it. It would be interesting to see one about a deeply awful woman. I would love it. Helen Hare's rise to power. Like, wicked. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Yeah, let's actually, you know what? I want it to be a musical. I meant the book wicked. Yeah, like a Vita. Just like a Vita. I want Madonna to play Helen Heyer. (laughs) I I literally meant the book wicked, though. I just want to make that very clear. (laughs) Um, 
I, not the musical. I also think that this sort of goes into like why Alan Moore is bad at women. One, because he sees them all as sexual objects and like all of their problems are like sex based. Like there's Helen Hayer, who again is just like a cardboard cutout of a dominatrix who then gets what she deserves in his opinion. Mm-hmm. Not in my opinion. Um, Evie with her like weird daddy issues that he goes way too much into. And then Rosemary, who again, it's like her relationships with men put her in this very like sexually vulnerable position. And then she is not even a person who makes decisions. She's just a pawn in these plan. Like every woman has some deeply weird sexual thing with her yeah. in this graphic Except novel. Except Delia. Oh, she's cool. Oh, yeah. yeah. I yeah, forgot Delia. about her. And Valerie. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yes. Valerie, Valerie is on that chapter is like genuinely so sweet and nuanced. It's really and beautiful. yet we don't get that with anyone else. It is. But the unfortunate yeah. thing is that it's the same issue of like queer people always dying in yeah. literature. Yes. Happened and, again. And Delia also now has to be in a relationship with Finch, which she didn't Did. have to. Yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah. That was weird that they threw that in there. They're just like, and we're sleeping together, by the way. Well, yeah. I think it's interesting that, to your point, Dana, I, I think the the one thing that is, I think, an interesting challenge about these kind of, like, authoritarian dystopias is that they're usually, like, patriarchies. And mm-hmm. so these women are so reliant on men for survival that like, even when Evie is kicked out, she does have to like go find shelter with this man. And I, I think that's why Handmaid's Tale is so interesting. I mean, I've not read it. I've only seen the adaptation, but you know, in a woman's hands that this, that, that you can find like stories that are separate from men but i think that is a challenge to do in a, like a patriarchal authoritarian regime that you're setting your story in i guess i have less of an issue with like e with evie being like reliant on men and more of an issue that like i don't know the daddy issues stuff and i agree yeah, with your issues yes. i i just was trying to see like it, i i think it is a challenge and then if you don't have that perspective you're going to just kind of fall back on tropes. And I and I also think in Alan Moore's defense, I think so much of V for Vendetta is meant to be like making a larger political point. So mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. characters fall by the wayside because he's trying to make his argument in a, in a in, in a way that comes across. Yeah, it's a manifesto as much as it is a piece yeah. of art. Well said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the tiny glimmer of like him potentially being more thoughtful about it is that like the one little girl in the book with the glasses is the one that Mm -hmm. like one of the first outside characters that like takes up you know graffitiing v um onto the street which to me is like you know in lesser hands would have gone to like a little boy you know like Mm -hmm. yeah and i i think that is like an interest an interesting choice and a small detail that I loved and loved seeing, we'll talk about it later, but loved seeing in the movie as well, like that Mm -hmm. tiny little moment. Yeah, some of the stuff in the movie, we were talking about it a little off uh, off mic uh, that we'll talk to in our movie episode, but like little Easter eggs that are directly from Mm -hmm. the the graphic novel that I think make it more satisfying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about fate. 
Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Karama, bring us on up yeah, to go, speed go. with fate. So fate, as we've talked about, and I think chapter, not chapter two, but book two was the like supercomputer that tells Susan what to do. And he's like kind of creepy in love with it. And then it <laughs> says, I love you near the end of book two. And then in book three, it's heavily implied that he sleeps with the computer. Mm-hmm. Right? We that get, wasn't mm-hmm. just me, right? Yeah, yeah. They have a mm-hmm. sex. It's an ex machina situation. Yeah. yeah he, I, I mean, I was like, he found a drive and like just went to town. <laughs> like, that's the way I read it. <laughs> Um, oh floppy God. disk drive. Uh, oh, but it was the 80s. They used floppy disks. Uh-huh. Excuse you. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Then you find out that V has access to fate in his in the basement of his shadow gallery home that has like eight levels and an elevator, apparently. Yeah. Um, How has no one found this? A plot hole that you could drive a Mack truck through. But again, <laughs> manifesto more than, not more than art, but as much as it is art. Uh, so yeah, I thought it was interesting to have, uh, for me it was frustrating because if he had access to this supercomputer and could then give messages to the government directly, uh, it was just sort of like, why don't you make things better for some of the people <laughs> while you're doing your His your scheme. Business? Karama, his yeah. scheme. It's all a scheme. I I really liked it because it's like this is the best episode of MTV's Catfish I've ever seen <laughs> in my entire life. Just like V, like just thinking about V spending all that time flirting with uh, what's his name? Susan. Adam Susan. Adam yeah. Susan yeah. through the computer is so it's so fun to think about. Just like him back at the in his eight story elevator home just like sending sex through the fate computer to Susan it's it's great it's just very funny cuz what this was written in like the 80s right mm-hmm. it, that it is very like early hackers <laughs> kind of style stuff where it's like you can't re- like these days of course v is has hacked into the supercomputer mm-hmm. like that is the first right. thing a terror or not a terror you know what i mean what v would do and uh and it just it's very funny it's like it's so simple that like oh i'm just going to like log into the supercomputer and just <laughs> And just talked, and that that's all I can do is just talk to him. Just, like, send messages on, like, a black and green screen. Um, ASL. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this it, was, like, ten years before the movie Hackers, one of you're the... Right. Uh, so he was really looking far ahead, I think. And, I mean, very... he Again, a, cat, a historical catfish. And also very <laughs> funny that with this power, he couldn't, like disarm bombs or like do anything no. tangible for his plan forget like helping people having adam susan fall in love with him through via computer like doesn't really affect his plan other than like he doesn't really need to do it <laughs> he's doing it for again it's so v does these things for himself yeah and that one feels yeah that one, that one feels him. like a personal pet project that he like dislikes I mean, this a high chancellor so much that like the best revenge is like yeah make him fuck this computer <laughs> yeah <laughs> um it does seem like it undermines uh susan's sanity in yeah. the eyes of other people helen Hare points out that they shouldn't 
have him do a parade to restore confidence because he's insane. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think that, though, he does use it for concrete things at times. Like, he uses it to send all those, the mail, that mail thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Weird. Like, poems in the mail. I'm just like, I don't know if V knows what he's doing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I wouldn't, if I got a poem in the mail, I would think it was just a direct marketing stunt. Yeah. I wouldn't mm-hmm. think it was a call to anarchy. Yeah, I, right. I, I, Especially because it was not like anarchist poetry. It's no. just like flowers are nice. <laughs> it's also weird. Have that you seen a bird? <laughs> he has. He has the foresight and like mental acumen to like manipulate every act of Rosemary's life and and drive her to homicide. And yet he 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 doesn't really know how to how to put that organization skill into any other aspect of his plan. Yeah, the best thing you can do is like a postcards campaign. Like I wrote postcards for in the last election. Just... That's my point. He has an opportunity to do so much good and he sends people weird cryptic poetry in the mail and then makes a dude sleep with a computer. Do you all remember like six months ago when a bunch of people just got seeds in the mail? Yes! Yes! No. no. What, yes. Is what, what is this? Like, hundred in in this year, 2020, hundreds of people, maybe thousands, I'm not sure, but a lot of people got mysterious seeds in the mail. Uh, and then the government was like, please don't plant them. <laughs> Did they please ever don't. find out who was... Well, now I'm curious. Did they ever find out who sent them? And what were they? I Didn't anyone remember. test the seeds? No. Have Some I, people planted them before they told yeah, them don't yeah, plant them. Yeah. That feels this is, feels like how Little Shop of Horrors gets started. Ooh, that sounds fun though. <laughs> like just a little fun, like a little carnivorous plant. <laughs> I was going to say, in terms of anarchy destruction, I would argue that Tyler Durden does something much better by destroying the records of credit card debt. Yeah, yeah. Fight I love Fight Club. That's I love Fight Club so much. I'm gonna yeah. make I'm, I'm gonna make a point, and I I want. Both V for Vendetta and Fight Club are rare cases of the movies better than the book. Yes, oh. I would say that. That's I haven't I've seen. Not read, I've never I've not seen. Read, or I've not read or seen Fight Club. Seen Fight I've Club. read and seen Fight the Club. The book is not even great. Chuck Palahniuk. Chuck Palahniuk was like the movie has a much better ending. Yeah. <laughs> the book I is saw that so movie poster in way too many dorm rooms that. Here's the thing about Fight Club, and then we can move away from it, but um, Fight Club is another instance of you are not supposed to identify with the main character, and it's also one of those instances of people misreading the point. Like, it's an indictment of toxic masculinity, Mm -hmm. and people are like, yeah, I want to fight, and I want to make soap, and I want to have insomnia, (laughs) and, like, that's not the point. No, their lives suck, and you shouldn't want to do what they do. Mm -hmm. It's, It's the sad cabaret, but with men and soap. Can I also say something deeply embarrassing about V for Vendetta? Yes, I didn't yes. I didn't realize that the circle and the V was an upside down anarchy symbol until like a few days ago. I didn't realize um, that until you just told me that. <laughs> me neither. Okay. I was I'm driving in again. LA and I saw an anarchy symbol and for a second I was like, oh, it's a V for Vendetta thing. And then I was like, oh, Oh. (laughs) Jennifer and I knew Jennifer and I also knew that all the chapters started with V. I'm just saying you guys have to pick up on these clues. Okay. Alan is dropping them. You need to pick them up. 
Uh-huh. We're all uh-huh. going to print out all of these poems, <laughs> and we're going to figure out the messages So he's getting to us. So if someone mailed you an anonymous poem in the mail, you wouldn't uh, no, I would overthrow call the, the government? No. Somebody um, left a weird no, note they, on my they car did that. once. They did that a while ago for some comics. Um, I, I don't know, some maker of comic books, comic publishers. Um, they sent this <laughs> weird random letter in the mail to like various comic people's houses and Dana as you know as somebody who has written comic books uh, comic fans are insane the worst they send death threats on like a regular basis Um, so we found out that this was viral marketing fortunately very quickly because otherwise we were going to call the police Um, it was not reassuring to know that a crazy person had our address yeah it's it's like that episode of Bojack Horseman where they do the viral marketing for the show that he's on that has like it looks like a ransom note he's like somebody (laughs) knows what I did it was exactly like that it was like cut out letters sent to our house absolutely not. no indication yeah I'm going to be back in just a minute. I got a bunch of poems in the mail. (laughs) Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hey, I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go, right? There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. On NPR's new podcast, Wild Card, we have ripped up the typical script. It's part existential deep dive and part game show. I ask actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to ask some of life's biggest questions. Listen to NPR's Wild Card on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. So a, a brief full circle now back to V for Vendetta of plans that don't really make any any sense. Uh, Finch, who is the detective on the case of trying to find out. I know I'm really bringing this back. Finch is the detective Finch. for the Scotland Yard. 
his plan to understand V, to get inside the terrorist's mind, is to go to Lark Hill and drop acid. Oh my God. <laughs> in a concentration I need to talk camp. about that, that scene because, first of all, yes, dropping acid at a concentration yeah, camp. What? Weird. It's a bad on choice. Own. I'm going to go on the record and say, don't Terrible do that. Terrible choice. Terrible yeah, choice. Don't, don't go to concentration camps and drop acid. No. I think we can stand yeah. for that as a podcast. Uh, but the second thing is when he was tripping, because like they yeah. killed all the black people in the uh-huh. society, he has this like hallucination that they're black people and he's like, oh, I forgot how cool your skin was. Yeah. And I was like, yikes! Oh, like a big yikes. <laughs> it was a huge yikes. I will say of all the things that we've read thus far as a book club, it took the longest to get to the weird racism <laughs> in this one. Yeah. It came out with they, it. They really they, bury the lead in this one. Yeah, because Aldous Huxley was like, boom, page three, saying some weird stuff yes. about Negro eggs. But this one was a slow burn. You like, I knew that it was three. racist as a society because they killed all the black people. But, like, that was where I was like, oh, I rooted for you before. And this was weird. You didn't need to do that. He was, he would, it's almost, it's like well-meaning racism where he thought he was really doing something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, he also mm-hmm. makes it clear that he was on the side of killing all those people. Like, he misses them now, but... Oh, uh, yeah. Finch sucks. And also, yeah. Finch, I meant well-meaning racism on the part of Alan Moore, who was... I, oh, yeah, that, yeah. I, that is what I read what you said as. Mm-hmm. He was like, yeah, I'm oh, yeah. trying to make a statement yeah. about how he is, like, weird and racist. I'm like, that's not... You didn't... Nope. He tried. <laughs> Uh, but then Finch, nope. who also who sucks, he's the one in the book who, spoiler alert, kills V and is excited about it. Yeah. What did mm-hmm. you guys make of that? Yeah. He was, like, too I mean, excited. I was kind of honestly sad that Finch was the one that took V down. Like, mm-hmm. for, for everything that V stands for and, like, you know, as far as adversaries goes, like, adversaries go, um, Finch is sad and weird and pathetic and like shouldn't have been the one to take down this idea of V in in, in my mm-hmm. opinion and just like you're telling me he drops acid and kills the main character like come on it's <laughs> yeah. terrible art yeah. and, yes. and it also felt like I, I like the idea that he figures out where he's where he is like the the station and stuff I think but the fact that he also he not only he like bests him also physically and mentally feels yeah. strange. And also I think like in the, we can talk about the, we'll talk about the movie next week, but it's like he, he's always catching up, but he's always late. Right. And that's what it feels like is the proper level of uh, like, he's smarter than the rest of these idiots Finch, but he's not as smart as V. And mm-hmm. I like uh, the idea that V is like, uh, a a part uh, like a part of his plan is his death and I'm get, jumping to the movie but it feels like not having V be a little bit more um, responsible for his own death feels it like also, a bummer. It also felt very weird to me that the, the arc that they're asking us to go on with Finch is that he goes to Lark Hill and understands. He drops his acid to yeah. understand V. And then his next immediate move is to be like, ha ha, I killed him. I got him. Like, he didn't go through that acid at the concentration camp did nothing. And then like right. walk past a woman, push a woman back into getting raped. And then it's like, he's yeah. the final frame of the story, which is very strange to me. Yeah, with his pipe. With his pipe. Like, 
like to go back to that those last two pages that are so terrible like i i, I can understand alan moore's reasoning of putting like chaos in the last two pages of like oh look this it, like best laid plans or whatever like it's still going to be bad but to a specify it as rape for this one character and also end it with like Finch walking down the road being like, man, what a journey. I'm like, he wasn't, he's not Poirot. Like it's not his <laughs> yeah. story. What are we doing here? <laughs> he's the grizzled hero. He dropped out at a concentration camp and murdered V and he's now like, on he walks. Yeah, Number and five I, after the call pushing sheet, you know? Kellen Hare back into being, being right. And I think you're right, too, of like asking V to be more responsible or more careful. Like he literally has, you know, taken um, responsibility for the very precise killing of Adam Susan in the parade with Helen Heyer. Like, why would he let Finch just like pop him one in the subway? Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. I think he wants to die. I think he's ready. I think he knows that mm-hmm. it's time that the mantle gets passed on to a new person, and that person's going to be Evie. Do it in a cooler way. Totally. Yeah. Agreed. You yeah. organized all this. You were, He's so theatrical. Yeah. He loves theatrics. You're going to die just by, like, a crazy guy with five o'clock I mean, shadows shooting you? Viking burial. Like, he's yeah. going to be sent off. He didn't even in... monologue. That's he could go sad. with a cooler death. I, I mean, he did a little bit. He said the thing about the ideas are bulletproof. That's and he's true. like, this is my thesis. <laughs> and the whole <laughs> riddle of, like, take off my mask, but don't see my face, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. 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 She's riddles. like, wait, but how am I? Something? She's on, 16. Dude. Also, Just I think it's important oh to gosh, remember yeah. at that point. Yeah. That she's 16 years old. She's like, how do I see your face <laughs> if I take off? The, I'm not supposed, to, but I am. Okay. Uh. I read <laughs> that late. Oh, I read that late at night, and the panels were like she. We think that she's taking off the mask each time. Yeah. I was like, oh, that was. Oh, wait a minute. That's not. <laughs> yeah. Also, I was like, I, I have I'm to too say, tired. I did not like that the panels. I know it's not real, but that the panel showed a face at all. Like, yes. I thought yeah. that was a weird choice to me because I thought the whole point is you never see his face and it's like so now we're seeing the imagined face that Evie it, it just felt like it takes away a little bit of it the magic. tricked me the mystique it tricked me, tricked me for a too. little bit <laughs> it's like too. seeing a dame named Rebecca you think you want it and then you don't <laughs> Whoa, bringing it back full circle <laughs> so, yeah so I will say I was unsatisfied by the ending it yeah. just didn't hit emotionally for me when I think that the, the world is so theatrical and I wanted a big emotional hit. Yeah. It felt very, yeah, it felt very lackluster at the end. Book three, I found myself very angry and very confused for a lot yeah. of the time. Yeah. yeah. Especially because like, there's, I don't think we should see everything. Like, I don't think it needs to be like every single thing they do needs to be in panels. Mm-hmm. But also like, there's this point where V quotes some dude, Alistair, somebody I can't remember, the... Oh, Alistair Crowley. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, but, like, remember before, Evie doesn't know much about things. And then she's like, don't you quote Alistair Crowley at me? And I'm like, wait, when did she become, like, Oh, she has a lot of books. Educational. Yeah. She's, she's been well, in yes. these plagues. But we don't see that. Right. 
But it felt, and then they mentioned it on the next page, and I was like, okay, I'm caught up. But it felt very weird at first, because that wasn't who this character was. Yeah, they did show her, like see, said, okay, so there was this specific, like, they did show her working out, and like, getting ripped, because at the end, I was like, how did she pick up V and put him onto this, like, Viking burial? And I was like, because she worked out. So, Karama, I see, I see your point. <laughs> I see your point. Mm-hmm. We should have seen some reading from her. Bench press with like courses. She's been book. reading a lot. Yeah, just give us a little montage yeah. of her, like, reading and, like, doing pull-ups, you know? Just, yeah, I, wanna, I think I'm doing both at the I same time. They, yeah, oh, that's good. The panel that was Helen Hare getting raped could have been Evie reading a book. Just mm-hmm. push everything back one panel. Sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I tried to think about what an ending would be like that I would have liked more, and I had a very difficult time coming up with anything, though. I, mm-hmm. I think the idea that Evie becomes V is really nice. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I in like the last panel ending. I wanted Helen to meet up with Finch and him to be like, that's a great plan, Helen. You're right. Let's take over the world. We're the villains now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> To protect the world from devastation. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I do. It is, I think, satisfying that she puts on the mask. That felt mm-hmm. inevitable, but it, it didn't have like comics can have a big like emotional impact. You know, like a full splash mm-hmm. page or like I don't know something about it didn't feel like. It's almost like I think some artists and and writers think that like sometimes things are uh, cliche, so they don't do them. But sometimes things are cliche because they work. And it's like, yeah. well, don't take those tools out of your, your toolbox because they work. So I, I kind of think that maybe Alan Moore was consciously like, ah, I'm not going to give you like the big, clean, cathartic third act reveal that you want. When it's like, well, yeah, maybe that's like a classic structure, but it's classic because it, it, it is sort of proven and audiences like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're going to screw something into a wall, you're probably going to need to use, like, a Phillips head screwdriver. Sorry, that's just what you want to get that job done. And if you want a satisfying ending, there are some tools that you will need to rely on. Okay, very butch metaphor. Love it, love it. Thank you. (laughs) But maybe, maybe as as you've said before, that this is, like, manifesto art. Like, maybe he wanted it to be unsatisfying because, you know revolution anarchy and trying to overthrow some sort of fascist government isn't like a one and done catharsis ending and it's like a kind of how we feel which is this like in overthrowing the government isn't like a cw show (laughs) what are you talking about (laughs) but i mean you know maybe that's what what he was trying to go for it's like all of this chaos has happened and like some people will move forward and walk off into the distance like Finch and not turn back, but like no one's going to get a satisfying ending from this. But I, mm-hmm. I guess my, the, I totally agree with you that I think that that's what Alan Moore is going with. But I think that some things are so neat, like like uh, V being like, ah, my last rose that I cultivated mm-hmm. with rosemary. And then mm-hmm. some things are so messy where I'm like, one or the other. I think the, the the idea that V has been formulating this plan for 20 years and it is like a perfectly orchestrated plan, like that is very satisfying to me. And so I wish that like carried through to the structure of the end of the book. And I think to mm-hmm. me that didn't like I agree. I think that's what Alan Moore was trying to do with the ending. And it, I feel like it didn't land for me because they personalized it with this character of Helen Heyer, which feels like still Mm. 
V's plans are working that feel because she's a part of the system and Finch, you know, bested V and he's walking off. Like if it were, I think it would be more anonymous, like seeing the chaos and seeing the, you know, people being killed or raped or assaulted, like as a, and it's like, oh, and the system, and it like continues to be good and bad are happening at the same time. But when you personalize it with this woman that like, ah, she's getting hers, you know, it just feels yeah. like, oh, yeah. no. Yeah. You don't see that much good happening. Would would it be nicer if um, some people were growing a community garden? Yes. <laughs> I love that. I, want, I, I mean, love that. like that's a thing you can do I with your neighbors. That. It doesn't require organized leadership. Um, like you could help your neighbors and that would be nice. And that would show us that like, while we may not be returning to the fascist system of government they had before, there can still be like communal projects that people work on together. And I think you should write a purge that's just about community communal gardening. Communal gardening. <laughs> I said that. I said if it were the purge, I thought like that's the dystopia I would want to live in. No rules. What are you going to plant? It's one day. It's one day. Just and foraging. You can do crazy good. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, what a great day. Cancel student loans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. What would you, instead of the purge, what would you call it then? Well, I mean, the, it's still the purge. Like you could still no rules, people. just right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no rules, just right. right is lovely, I love Jen. That. I love that. Purging is it, but are you debt, copywriting you know? it and making it no just rules, r- just r- right with dub- a W? Oh no, wow. no, I, no, I'm, I'm giving it to the people. I'm giving it to the people who want to grow a command. No, community now I imagine with W R U L E S. No rules. No rules. Just right. It's also weird that if if this is Alan Moore's manifesto, he doesn't leave. He doesn't make the end feel like hopeful or exciting. Like you want to join uh, V's don't, movement. I don't. I'm like this looks scary. bad. It seems scary yeah. and bad, and it seems sort of like the people who have V avatars on bad internet forums. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. I sort of get it now. Maybe it's so scary and bad to you all because you're stuck in the happiness prison. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Shave my head. Happiness is a prison. It is. Get out. But B did nothing but treat himself like a 19th century super wealthy aristocrat. He's surrounded by books mm-hmm. and priceless oil paintings. Um, he's always eating like fine foods. He's lording his superiority over women who live in his house um, <laughs> and then being contemptuous of him. I, I'm sorry, V to me does not read as like a forward-thinking individual. No, and yeah. he reads as the most entitled rich man I have and ever And he's met. not a proletariat. He's not like out working in the fields, like with the means of production. He is... <laughs> Yeah, listening to his jukebox and and, and reading Shakespeare. Go yeah, work as far the as I can tell, this... he's not going to share any of those paintings with people. Those no, are his, and now they're Evie. Supports... She got to inherit his house. This supports my belief that V is gay and that he's not, like, a political dissent person that they threw in the camps. He's not, mm. I don't think he's a person of color. Like, just in terms of the people that they were trying to exterminate in that camp and that they were experimenting on, the only thing is like a cis, like white gay dude that makes sense to me. Yeah. 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 I think yeah. so. I think that's also a good transition for next week because I think the V that we see in the movie is, I think he reads very gay to me and I think he's very theatrical oh, yeah. 
And I like the way that character comes across more. I love the in way the that film. character comes across. I mean, I mm-hmm. I get spoiler alert that they try to make him fall in love with uh, Evie. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Uh, not for a don't second. Love it. Are there any final notes on on the book that you guys want to make before we close out? I think I'll say I think we've been like ripping apart the third book, but rightfully. But I really loved reading this book, and I think you know it is so compelling. And as someone, this is my first graphic novel I've ever read, and I think it is it brings you into a world so quickly and that Mm -hmm. feels so razor sharp, and obviously much to Alan Moore's. chagrin extremely universal and extremely timeless and could be about any any um current uh closing in on fascist society that i um really enjoyed it really well said yeah very well said i don't know if i can top that uh so i'm gonna say something stupid great but i think that more books should have weird dudes that want to sleep with a computer that's in love with them more her (laughs) yeah more books yeah, yeah you know I what agree. not enough women sleeping with tech I, i'm just gonna say that out that's loud. true you know that's a good yeah point. yeah i'm okay, making a good opportunity for yeah, that yeah i feel like it would work better that way okay would cool it? i guess we'll write that uh well on that <laughs> note i think we have to end this here uh thanks for listening we'll catch you next week when we talk about v4 vendetta the film That's our show for the week. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dana Schwartz, and you can find me on Twitter at Dana Schwartz with three Zs. You can follow Jennifer Wright at Jen Ashley Wright. Karama Dankwa is at Karama Drama. Melissa Hunter is at Melissa FTW. And Tian Tran is smart enough to have gotten off Twitter, but she is on Insta at Hank Tina. Our executive producer is Christopher Hesiotis, and we're produced and edited by Mike Johns. Special thanks to David Wasserman. Popcorn Book Club is a production of iHeartRadio. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine. Hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. We've always been intrigued by stories of disappearances. Whether it's a fraudster from the 17th century who kept evading the authorities, or a novelist who taunted the Nazis and faked her own death, we all want to know, 
What happened next? To find out, listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.